Welcome. I've seen something. Plays tricks on your mind. This is no coincidence. Put on your seatbelts. You are on the fastest route. Your destination. The other side. Hello and welcome to Destination Other Side, the podcast that puts the PA in paranormal. My name's Mackie and welcome to episode 6. If you've been along for the ride since the beginning, I'm tipping my hat to you because that means you're among the finest, most cultured people in Pennsylvania and beyond. No, but really, I'm glad to be sharing what I find with you. I know I begin pretty much every episode like this, but I mean it when I say I really appreciate everyone who listens. So make sure you share this with your friends, post the episode link on social media and what have you, because I'm excited for this little spooky family to grow. Now, before we dive into this episode, because we're back in the hauntings today, I want to know for a future episode if you've ever had a paranormal experience. If you live in Pennsylvania, anywhere in the state, and you've come into contact with a ghost, if you live in a haunted house, or maybe if you have a haunted location in your area that's maybe not so popular, people don't really know about it, just email me. My email is m-a-c-k-e-y at wkva920.com. I would love to hear your stories and put them all together for an upcoming episode or even maybe a little mini-series within the podcast about some personal experiences. I myself have a couple of them, so I definitely want to gather a few more stories and maybe even get some of you on the podcast here with me. That would be super cool. So again, if you're in Pennsylvania and you have any stories that would pique the interest of the podcast, feel free to send me an email and chat with me at m-a-c-k-e-y at wkva920.com. Of course, you can contact me anytime for questions, comments, and anything. My email is always open. Now, today is a very exciting day because I think I've found what could possibly be my favorite paranormal story in all of Pennsylvania this far. I've done a lot of research, more than you'd think, and I don't scare very easily at all, but this one creeped me out pretty thoroughly. This is the story of Hex Hollow. Pennsylvania is home to a lot of practices that some of you may not have known about. Now, people think of Pennsylvania as historic, yes, but more so in the colonial sense, you know, founding fathers and battles and revolution, less of the foreign world and more of that good old Americana vibe. But beyond that, even closer to more recent times, we've been dipping our toes into worlds of other practices that many of us consider to be lost or kind of irrelevant. Lots of those are coming from other countries and cultures. What I'm getting at here is magic and not some piddly card tricks. I know those have been around forever, but this stuff is a lot more serious. Back in the late 1800s and early 1900s, right here in Pennsylvania, there were quite a few people who continued the practice of magic and were pretty renowned for it. Usually now, people look at you funny if you say you believe in that stuff, but back then, this was pretty commonplace and typically in the world of medicine. In Northern America, many of the Pennsylvania settlers practice what is now called Bracha medicine. Now, I probably screwed up that pronunciation because I'm not very good at German, but nonetheless, others know it as powwow, but that's a Native American term. It's probably not very accurate to what it really is. This practice actually stems from the traditional medicinal and religious beliefs of the Pennsylvania Dutch. I know when people think of things like witch doctors, folk magic, and what have you, they usually think of some Satanist practice or some dark forces of nature beyond our control, but this really isn't the case. The history of Pennsylvania Dutch's magic actually comes from different adaptations of the Bible and was considered pretty sacred. So how does that make things dark and creepy? Well, typically it didn't. Back then, it was very common to go to a powwow or bracha doctor. Natural medicine was a lot more popular, and people weren't so keen on the modern medicine, so traditional ways were pretty normal at the time. 
This is where a man named Nelson Raymeyer comes in. Nelson lived in Stewartstown, which is now close to the Maryland border of Pennsylvania, somewhere near the York area. Nelson was one of these witch doctors, and let me tell you, this lifestyle did not always lend itself to good things. His wife ended up leaving him and taking their two daughters after she got sick of him being obsessed with the idea he was a witch doctor. So just know that this chosen lifestyle came with a lot of complications. At the time, there were a few more of these doctors in the area, but they didn't all like each other very much, which would seem counterproductive, but that's just the way it was. There was another doctor by the name of John H. Blymeyer, and he is the key element of this story where the tides really shift here. John was going about his life when he noticed at random that he was falling ill quite a bit and was just encountering a lot of bad luck in his life. Nothing seemed to be going his way, and it seemed very out of the ordinary. A lot of people just considered him this normal guy who just happened to practice magic on the side. But then when all this bad stuff started happening, it got pretty weird. At first, he ignored it for a while, but then he started to grow suspicious of pretty much everything. John and his wife attempted to have children and actually gave birth twice, but both of those babies passed away in infancy. And of course, that added on to the onslaught of misfortune that he experienced. And after a while, he became extremely paranoid. He was insisting everyone was out to get him and that there were some forces of evil bound to his soul, and his health really continued to steadily decline. His wife got so concerned, she even admitted him to an insane asylum just for the good of his health. But one day, he just walked out, and no one really cared to look for him or keep record of this. So from here on out, he's basically on his own. Now, when he actually walked out of the insane asylum, he decided to get the help of another witch doctor named Nellie Knoll, who was also known as the River Witch of Marietta. So you already know this is going to be pretty sketchy. When you go to someone with a title like that, it's self-explanatory. Nellie had convinced John that our very own Nelson Raymeyer, we mentioned before, was practicing dark magic and put a hex on John and several other people in the town at that point. Now, John was furious, so he started talking to people around the town, pretty much ranting to anybody who would listen. And he ended up meeting very impressionable people, a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old boy, who both shared his anger, felt like Nelson was a fraud and an evil witch who had hexed them all. So tensions were growing higher and higher as the three of them became pretty good friends and they devised a plan, a plan to rid the evil from the town. The plan was this. There was a book supposedly in Nelson's possession called The Long Lost Friend. This was a book from the early 1800s that was basically the outline of this quote-unquote powwow magic for the Pennsylvania Dutch. They believed Nelson was using the spells in this book for evil, so they devised a handy-dandy two-step plan. Step one was to go to his house, steal the book, and burn it. Step two was to cut a lock of Nelson's hair and bury it six feet under the earth. They believed this would break the curse once and for all and save the three of them. And maybe they believed Nelson was cursed as well and would be saved by destroying his copy of this book. I have no clue. But the events that transpired were very, very different from what they had originally planned. On November 27th, 1928, John and his two teenage friends set out to Nelson's house. They simply just knocked on the door, spoke with him kindly. He was very polite and just kind of let them all in his house with no problem whatsoever. But that is when things started to get a little tense. Once they were in the house, they ditched the pleasantries and began to demand he hand over this book. 
Nelson denied giving them the book, and it's not certain, but some say he didn't even have it in the first place. But nevertheless, this was not what the three of them wanted. And at this point, there was no room for negotiation. Their hexes had already taken the best of them. So what happened next was par for the course. John and the two boys then tied up Nelson and beat him to death, but they didn't just stop there. The thing with magic is you never really know when some spell or curse had been lifted or something wrong has been righted, so they wanted to make sure that nothing bad would happen again. Just after midnight at 12.01 a.m., they soaked his body with kerosene, lit it on fire, and abandoned the house, hoping that Nelson's body, his house, and the curses along with it would be reduced to ash, never to be seen or heard from again. But that's not even the weird part. I mean, yes, it's weird, but not as weird as this. They fled the scene, assuming everything went according to plan. Well, their plan B, I guess. But time seemed to have frozen as soon as they left. The clock in the home remained at 12.01 a.m. And the house never actually burned down. The scariest part is there are visible char marks where Nelson's body was laying as it was set on fire. But the house was totally fine other than that. So maybe there was some sort of dark magic involved, but we will never know. Nelson's neighbors ended up discovering his body the next morning, still not burned, but partially charred. I guess John and his two young buddies were a little too loud about their suspicions and their hate for Nelson because the entire town was immediately pointing fingers in their direction. And they were pretty quickly taken into custody under a trial that locals call the York Witch Trials. They were convicted for his murder and all three were sentenced to life behind bars. But they did not actually spend that long in prison. After a while, all of them were eligible for parole and went on to live pretty normal lives after the murder of Nelson Raymeyer. One of them, scarily enough, became a pretty renowned painter and cartographer. You may know him as John Curry, and you may have even seen some of his paintings, and maybe you own one. They were pretty popular in the York area, and many of his paintings are owned by locals and still hang on their walls, so check your art because you may own the portrait of a murderer. The fact that they all got out of prison pretty easily is upsetting, but this did not come without some, at least, social consequence thereafter. Pennsylvania was pretty tight with their practices, and most of the country outside of us didn't really know what was going on with that. And of course, after the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts in the late 1600s, people really did not like the idea of any type of magic or witchcraft going on. So once America found out about us kind of doing that stuff under the table, we got some pretty weird looks. After that, we pretty much retired any witch doctor magic from our medical practices, although some families did keep the tradition going in the privacy of their own homes. Thus, how the two-story home got its name of Hex Hollow. The events that unfolded in that house before the murder still remain entirely a mystery, but that just adds to the atmosphere of the place. As you could probably guess, the house still stands in its original location. And like I said, the clock is still frozen at 12.01 a.m. The charred floorboards where Nelson's body laid are still there, covered and preserved with glass. You can look up pictures online and see just where it happened, and it's so eerie to think about when you see it. Now, obviously, the history of this place leads to a lot of people believing it is totally and completely 100% haunted, which I don't blame them for. There have been several different sightings of not only ghosts, but some other really weird things as well, which I can't logically explain. Some people claim to have seen UFOs around the house. Some people say they've seen an evil red-eyed dog sitting in the tree line, staring at passerby. And some rowdy teenagers who have thrown rocks at the house say the house has thrown them right back. And that's some pretty heavy stuff. People attribute a lot of that to maybe the malevolence of Nelson's spirit and his possible practicing of dark magic in that house. 
In fact, people say that Nelson's spirit not only has never left, but actively carries out duties like tending to the fireplace, because people have seen smoke billowing from the chimney at pretty odd times of the day, and some people believe that Nelson still could be practicing magic from beyond the grave. Needless to say, the house is on private property owned by Nelson's great-grandson, so I don't encourage anyone entering the home under any circumstances, as there are plenty of pictures to be seen, and who knows what could happen if you enter in on any angry spirit's home, but you can walk past this house and maybe you might see something strange. I'm not sure if they offer tours, especially now with COVID still going on, but I'll be looking to see if they do any open tours at any time in the future. There are a few videos online where you can see the exterior of the house, and call me crazy, but when I watched those videos, I got a very weird feeling about this place. I usually don't get those, you know, bad vibe type of instincts, but this time I kind of did. Like I said, this story thoroughly creeped me out, more so than a few others I've heard. And one thing I take super seriously is magic of any kind, and in this situation, I think it's better to be respectful and try not to disturb this place. With that being said, I do encourage you to look up the pictures and the videos of this place and learn some more history, because it really is fascinating that this type of thing was once a part of Pennsylvania's culture, and a lot of people have no clue that things like magic and witches were a little closer to home than they expected. And this was just shy of only 100 years ago, so it's pretty wild to think about. But that is going to be it for this episode of Destination Other Side, and thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share the podcast and listen to our other podcasts on WCHX1055.com, GoldHitsWKVA.com, and Star967.com for more fun content from all of us here at the station. Until next time, goodbye and good day to everyone in every dimension.